0: Welcome to Nickcast. I'm your host, Marie Urshard. Well, I'm back after a month's absence. It was an unplanned hiatus, but I'm pleased to be back with you. You may remember that in the last edition, I ran a competition to win a copy of Mags Candice's new book, Gifted. The winner, drawn at random, is Carla Woodson of the blog Tiny Angry Crafter. Congratulations, Carla. I really hope you enjoy the book, which will be winging its way across the pond to you soon. And speaking of those across the pond, I'm going to be meeting up with the members of the Craftlet tour next week. I'll be spending the day with them in Hay-on-Wye and then going along to the uh, big international Cardiff knitters meetup at Dempsey's pub later on. And that's Wednesday. So that's Wednesday, the 6th of October in the evening. And I'm really looking forward to meeting everyone there. Now, if you enjoy the KnitCast theme, it's performed by Stephen Wheel, and Stephen's got a new album out called Snow Angels. That's available to purchase from his website, www.stephenwheel.com. So if you enjoy the KnitCast theme, which is called Knit Away, then you might want to check that out. And now, I've kept you waiting long enough, here's this month's interview. My special guest for this edition is designer Lee Meredith. Hi Lee, welcome to NickCast. Thanks for doing this. Hi, I'm excited uh, to do this. Oh, good. I like your podcast a lot. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: I'd actually like to start off first of all by asking you about your username. You're known on the net and for your designs as Lethal. Uh, where's mm-hmm. that come from? But started
1: a silly college friend nickname when my friend started. Uh, sticking my name into words because my name is already in many words and they would um, one of my friends just started calling me Lethal as a nickname and then when I started selling things I made this was way before I was doing knit design I was just kind of selling things that I had sewn I started selling things that I knit before I knew how to design and Lethal just seemed like an easy kind of business name before it became a real business and then it kind of developed into an actual business and the name was already there.
0: And what sort of things were you selling?
1: When I first learned to knit I didn't really know about patterns like everything was improvised and I would just kind of play around with making hats and mitts and accessories stuff stuff like what I design now but um, I didn't really know that I could design stuff and sell patterns so I thought the only way I could try to pay for some of my yarn purchases was by selling the actual items and that doesn't really pay for the amount of time that it takes and it's not really the best way to do things I've learned now over the years but yeah I, I didn't do a lot of that but I sold maybe like 20 or so like hats and mitts over a couple of years so how long have you been knitting? Um, I learned in college in about 2002-ish, like eight years ago, but I didn't really get into it until after I graduated and I had a lot more free time on my hands and I could kind of play around more and teach myself more. So that was 2004. So I've been like really learning and, and developing my knitting skills for about six years now.
0: Well, you've already said that you hadn't realized before about, that you'd actually sell patterns, but when did the designing start? Let's see, 2007 was the year I moved to Portland
1: and that was the same year that I kind of started discovering uh, patterns. That was the year that Ravelry started and Ravelry kind of introduced me to that whole world. And I um, wrote down my first pattern. It was really simple because I didn't really know how to write patterns. And I submitted it to Knitty and it got in. And so my first published design was in the fall issue uh, 2007. And then I kind of taught myself how to write patterns from there and started self-publishing soon after that. Late 2007, I I started designing a lot and
0: have been designing ever since and getting more and more into that. Can you tell me a bit about your Quick Knits Club? Because I know it's sort of on its second season, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But How does that work?
1: Well, it originally started, it's it's kind of evolved over the last year and a half or so, but it started when I wanted a way to um, kind of give people a little taste of my hand-dyed and spun recycled yarn because I was getting really into yarn making and I thought it'd be fun to have like a little mini yarn club and have just little like 10, 15-yard mini skins of yarn and then patterns to go with them. So I started that club a little over a year ago and then I got more and more into the designing the little little things that can be designed with that tiny amount of yarn and it it was such a fun challenge to have just you know 10 or 15 yards of yarn and which is such a tiny amount and try to make something really interesting with that little amount of yarn and that became the thing that that i really enjoyed and the yarn making just kind of got more and more tedious and making all those tiny mini skeins (laughs) i i was not enjoying that anymore so i i changed it so that now it's a PDF-only mini ebook club. The designs are perfect for using up little leftovers because they use this tiny amount of yarn that every knitter has around their house from leftover projects. So every month I have two patterns that use something under 20 yards. So it's usually like around 15 yards each. And then I have other little um Tutorials and projects and fun bits in with each month. So every month it revolves around a theme. So I just kind of come up with whatever fun stuff I can
0: around that theme each month and make a mini ebook out of it. Yeah, so, so as you were saying, the, each Quick Knits has got a theme. And the theme of the September edition, the most recent edition, is get organized. And mm-hmm. you've got actually, you've got this really great knitted, well, it's a circular needle holder but it's one that you knit and you hang up on the wall i mean mm-hmm. is that something you planned for a while or or for this no um actually that idea
1: came the designer cozy who goes by cozy um c-o-s-y and she had made a circular needle holder out of recycled sweater and embroidery it's kind of the same concept of hanging on the wall and putting your circular through the holes she had made that and blogged about it like two or three years ago, I think, and I just always had this idea in the back of my head that I always wanted to make something like that. And so when I started planning the Get Organized Club and I wanted ways to organize your knitting stuff or your craft stuff, and I was just brainstorming about that, I think that idea was just like buried way back in my head. And, and I started thinking about a knit version and it just it, it came to me yeah. when I had insomnia one night and <laughs> it worked out perfect. <laughs>
0: And there's also actually, I think my favorite item is the uh, the knitted sort of cup, which is a, a knitted lace cup, which you then mm-hmm. stiffen yeah you?
1: yeah i um I started playing around with stiffening knit stuff about a year ago, my old version of my club, I made um knit bookmarks, and I stiffen those the same yeah. way, just basically rectangles, but then you stiffen them and they they're hard um and I had fun with that, so. I wanted to make a a cup to hold your needles on your desk,
0: and so that idea came back to me again. So there's one version of the stiffening where you basically kind of cover it with white glue. When when you're putting in the this this is more this is more my own personal question really rather than a podcast interview, so I'll probably <laughs> get it out. But you know when you're blocking it with the um, the toilet tube holder, mm-hmm. does that need to have a do you need to have a, a kind of like a circle of card in the base to kind of keep it flat, or um, now I do
1: it upside down, yeah. so the the bottom is on the top, and if yeah. it's if it's going inwards, then that's fine. You know, it's the it can't go outwards because then yeah. the cup won't of sit flat. But it could go inwards, <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of push it down and make sure it's yeah. flat. And that that worked out fine for me.
0: Yeah. See, it's so logical when you explain it. And I was thinking, (laughs) trying to work it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also thought you were a bit hard on yourself. You know, the uh, organizer, the carry-all needles case. I won't give away how it's constructed because obviously we do want people to (laughs) join the club (laughs) and buy the PDF. But you did. um, I think you were a bit hard on yourself saying that it was fairly easy to make. Better because you got here. Don't feel ripped off because there is a tutorial <laughs> for a drawstring baggie And I thought, oh, <laughs> she's been too hard on herself.
1: <laughs> that was just kind of an extra because every month I say there's there's always two knitting patterns, one craft tutorial, and then some extra stuff. So yeah. the knitting needle organizer was kind of the extra thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty it's... quick little tutorial.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's simple, but it's really effective. Yeah, it and works great. Is. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to design quite a few things that can be applied, can, that can be made using any gauge of yarn. Mm-hmm. Where's, where does that come from? Or, or why did you decide, certainly recently, to design things like that?
1: I really like the idea of being able to go through your stash and pick out a yarn that you love and not have to worry about getting the exact gauge and being able to make an object um, you can make it, you know, several different times. and Make it once in bulky and once in sock weight, and it's like t- two completely different designs. And that's based on the same pattern. So I like that idea for knitters. And for me, the way I think about design is kind of the construction of a thing and and how the pieces fit together. And like, I, I can adjust it to be for any gauge, or if if I'm designing something that I can. Visualize how it can be adjusted for any gauge. Then I like to do that because yeah. I just like the customization mm. of of the thing. It's it's nerdy, mathy fun for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it also means they're really flexible as well. Yeah, as you said, you can just pick up any any yarn. Mm-hmm. I think one of your most recent patterns from Nitty, the buttonhead hats. Yeah.
1: That one's especially yeah. fun because it's knit from the top down. So yeah. you start with like four stitches and you increase outwards. So you, there's no need for a gauge swatch because as as you increase enough to have enough fabric to measure your gauge, you just measure it right there on the hat and figure out the rest of the body and how the shaping is going to work at that point. And there's no planning ahead or anything. It's great for hand spun or just for lazy yeah. knitters like me who hate <laughs> gauge
0: swatching. <laughs> No, I mean that is really useful because it can be yeah, it can be a bit tiresome sometimes knitting mm-hmm. up a swatch and sort of measuring it. So if you're there I mean I've I've made that. I didn't actually make it with the buttonholes, so I won't probably shouldn't really call it a buttonhole hat. <laughs> but I did use your pattern <laughs> basically to do a um, top down beret with I think it was a lamb's pride bulky actually. Mm. Yeah, and I sort of saw your pattern and I thought, oh, well, that's great because I can just just start off and do it from the top down and just sort of finish when whatever size, you know, when, when I'm kind of done with it, when I've sort of knit enough, I can just stop. That's right, because I, I mm. wasn't sure how much yarn I had, basically. It was <laughs> left over from another project. And it's great because then it means that you can actually make something and feel fairly secure. You're not going to run out.
1: Yeah, and that's when I was designing that. I, I not just the any gauge aspect, but kind of the custom sizing and shaping, and yeah. and like the button band at the end is kind of an extra accent to make it, you know, not too boring. But it's definitely easy to leave it off, and you can make it a more fitted, more kind of beanie style, or all the way out to a super floppy beret style. And it's really easy to to custom size it to your liking.
0: Yeah, because I remember when I looked at the pattern on Nitty, I was I was a bit confused initially because there were, I think, three different examples of the hat. Yeah, five.
1: Yeah. I did
0: five different examples oh, five, so sorry. I could
1: show. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to be able to show it and really? super bulky and worsted and everything in between and
0: all the different shapes. And they all yeah. different as well. So it was really, yeah, it was really amazing to think that they were all from that same pattern. Mm -hmm. yeah so versatile i like things that you can do sort of from the top down anyway Mm -hmm. because you can yeah you can see exactly where you're going so have a bit more control over it now i was quite intrigued when i heard about game knitting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, can you tell me a bit more about it can you sort of tell the listeners exactly what game knitting is sure
1: it kind of developed over a long time of my partner pete and me like brainstorming about ways to to have fun with knitting and make a a random design that's determined by some outside source. And it actually originally started when I had a day job at a retail store and I would knit on the job whenever my boss wasn't around. <laughs> I was
0: going to say, you're lucky to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So every time a customer walked in, there would be slow times of day where I could knit quite a bit in between customers. But every time somebody walked in the store, I'd have to put it down and then pick it back up and figure out where I was in my stitch pattern. And I thought, what? if I determine my stitch pattern based on when I put it down and pick it back up again. So that's when I first played around with like, what if I knit, 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 and then a customer walks in, I set it down, I pick it up and I start purling and then I purl, 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 purl until the next time I I set it down, then I start knitting again. That was the original seed of the game knitting idea, which is basically that except with game knitting, it's mostly, um, the ebook talks mostly about watching TV shows while you're knitting and it doesn't have to be tv shows it could be audiobooks or movies or it could be like at work and every time the phone rings or something but some some outside source that you don't have control over is determining when you do something with your knitting so it could be as simple as switching between knit and purl or making an eyelet hole or making a cable or you could combine different elements like, I have one that I like a lot where I switch between knitting and purling, and I made an eyelet hole every time I switch. So it has kind of a holy lace texture, stuck in it, reverse stuck in it, garter thing going on. So the game aspect is you make a list, like a drinking game, um, to your TV show, like, Okay, so Buffy is a big show that, that I yeah. use as an example that I love. So, like, every time there's a fight, every time there's a, a Buffy-ism, you know, a word that she made up, every time Giles says something nerdy or, you know, <laughs> you make this long list of things that happen all the time, things that happen in every episode, and then every time one of those things happen you get to call it out and say, ah, oh, Giles says something nerdy. And then you make an eyelet hole and it it creates this whole fun game aspect to your knitting. And also at the same time, makes a really unique randomized pattern.
0: There's some really cool results that come out of it. Yeah, I was going to say, just looking at the examples in the book, mm-hmm. they, well, they kind of look planned really, I suppose, rather than having that kind of arbitrary sort of factor about them. Yeah. Because I know you've... Yeah, you've got a list of sort of base patterns that people can use and these for things like hats or wristlets.
1: Yeah, like small accessories work really well. At least I think so, but I, I hardly make anything other than small accessories anyway. <laughs> but um you can see if something's working and and if it's not really looking very good, you're not wasting a lot of uh yarn on it. But yeah, you always want to start with a really basic, simple pattern. For the shape of the thing and then the game plans like the actual stitch pattern and what's going on in the fabric but you have to have like a yeah. a hat shape or a mitt shape or something to start with and then I, I also talk about cheating in the book
0: to, I was going to if, ask like, you especially, about that.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially with something like cables like you yeah. can't really cable you know two rows in a row on the same cable you know stuff like that so you have to kind of cheat and just if something happens in the show just like wait a few rows until you actually do it or just like look at your knitting and think okay I am knitting a final project that I want to look cool so the game part is fun but I also want my hat to be wearable so you cheat as much as you want
0: (laughs) because I was actually thinking that some of the patterns just look really good if you just want to put it <laughs> plain. Because <laughs> there's some brilliant hats in here, and the cable hats are just gorgeous. Really like those. There's one which in the uh, example actually it's the five-point big bulky beret,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't know. I have a bit of a, a cable thing going on at the moment, but that just looks gorgeous.
1: Yeah, the cables are really fun. I'm actually working yeah. on one right now. I haven't done any game knitting since I released the ebook, and that was like a year ago, but I'm doing a knit along right now in Ravelry for a, a mm. game knit button head. So, because the button head is so simple, like yes. we were talking about earlier, um, it works really well with game knitting. So, I'm doing a cable version so I can. Size it to work with the cables because the cables are really tough with mm-hmm. the base patterns in the ebook because they pull in so much, so you have to add a lot of stitches and figure out how many stitches yes. you need to add based on how much is going to pull in. So, the
0: button head is perfect for that. Yeah, I was going to say the, the other one that I really like is the five point hat. It's a hat again, which uh, got garter short rows. So I've also noticed that you've got suggestions of programs, of TV shows we could watch. Yeah, like for that one, it's How I Met Your Mother.
1: Well, that was yeah. I include um, something like eleven, maybe lists of of different TV shows, and I try to make it a really wide variety of TV shows. Yeah. Um, so, hopefully, there'll be something for everyone there. <laughs> Included some silly '80s stuff and old. 90s nostalgia high school shows that I was into and and plenty of new stuff and so um yeah. you can look at those lists and kind of get an idea of how to form your list from those
0: yeah I, I did notice you were in your introduction to the ebook, book you say that um although it's like a drinking game you shouldn't really combine the two <laughs> <laughs> yeah because what to make
1: a good game pattern especially if you're doing like not a cables one but like an eyelet one or something where you want to have a lot of stuff happening or else it's just going to look like mistakes like if you just have eyelets spaced out a few times around your hat it's just going to look like there's accidental holes in your hat so you don't want that so you want stuff to be happening a lot so if you were to use the same list for a drinking game it probably wouldn't be a good idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) i also really like the cover shot for game knitting Because you've got game knitting spelt out in uh, Scrabble chips. And they've got sort of uh, tiddlywinks and counters and different things and dice. And I really like that you've got the by Lee Meredith written in a crossword. I
1: had fun with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like a lot of thought went into it
1: yeah I, my background is in photography, so I try to have fun with photography as much as I can, so I had fun planning that all out and going through my game closet and pulling out all the pieces that would look good.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I know you you'd also said in the introduction to the ebook that you know you shouldn't necessarily print out the whole book because you'd, mm-hmm. you'd filled it with lots of photographs
1: yeah it's really designed to be computer screen reading friendly, and all the all the pages that I thought you might want to print out, the pages with the patterns on it or if you if you don't like to read the pattern on your computer screen, those have a lot less color pictures and they're mostly just text, so it's not going to waste a lot of ink yeah but it's really it's sixty five pages long, so it's meant mm-hmm. to just you know read the whole thing on your yeah. computer screen or your ebook reader, whatever you use.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's a lot lot of (laughs) pages. Yeah. (laughs) If we go into another sort of adaptable pattern, shapeshifter. It's a sort of uh, knitted cowl, but you say it can be worn in an endless number of shapes.
1: Yeah, the way it's constructed, it has eyelet holes around all the edges and down the middle. And then you can put buttons around at all the corners and then there's... It shows different ways to put buttons to form a hood and you can just kind of twist it around itself and button into any of the buttonholes and make all different shapes with it. It's really fun.
0: Yeah, you've even got lacing in some of the buttonholes in some places as well.
1: Yeah, it's there's kind of basic eyelet patterns that just kind of form a nice, attractive, simple pattern. It's good for someone who's never laced before but wants to have a
0: little bit of lace appearance there yeah and again another any gauge customizable pattern as well you can get a, a sculptural kind of look
1: by using a, a tight gauge like a bulky yarn with a tight gauge it'll kind of stand yeah. into shape or you can knit it with a sock yarn and have more of a a loose flowy drapey look tell me about swerve so swerve is a fingerless mitts pattern that has a sideways garter stitch cuff and then the hand is knit in the round with some kind of faux cable detailing. I developed this, I kind of unvented, he's an Elizabeth Zimmerman <laughs> term. It's been done before but it's yeah. not really like a, a technique that people know and I had never seen it done before and, and all my friends who I showed had never seen it done before. It's this this way of using Really simple increases in short rows when you're knitting flat across a cuff or a hat brim or something to leave stitches all along the edge, which takes the place of having to go back and pick up stitches. So there's a lot of hat patterns out there that have like a a sideways knit brim and then you go pick up stitches and you knit the body in the round. So my sideways edge cast on, the stitches are already there. At the end, you just start knitting in the round and, and your cast on edge is already there for you. So Swerve is the first pattern I designed that uses that technique. And I'm currently about to release a a set of hat patterns that use the same technique. Yeah, very soon. It should have been released right by now, but my computer and my camera both decided to break and prevent its release from happening, (laughs) but soon. So I'm really excited about that. Those are also going to be any gauge, custom size, all different styles of hats that you can have a wide brim or a narrow brim and
0: different kinds of top decrease designs. Wow. I mean, I was going to ask how many different designs are there, but if it's that customizable, it sounds fairly infinite.
1: Yeah. Well, there's three different kind of styles that are just based on like how the ratio of the brim stitches to the round stitches. So if the brim is like looser and squishier or if the brim is pulled tighter and it kind of makes a beret style, so there's three different styles like that. And then there's three different top decrease patterns. Yeah. So you can mix and match. And then you can you custom size it to whoever's head you're knitting for. And you, you can use any
0: gauge too. Well, I was looking through uh, some of your patterns on Ravelry. By the way, it must be a real kick as a designer to log into Ravelry and see all the different kind of variations that people have made of your designs.
1: Yeah, it's super fun,
0: especially with the the any gauge stuff. Like I yeah. see versions that I'm like, I
1: designed that? That looks nothing <laughs> like mine. It's awesome. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, one of your hat patterns, Vortex, which is uh, a striped hat with the stripes sort of appearing on the bias. Yeah, that was the
1: second thing I designed for Nitty. Ah. It's yeah. um. There's a couple different versions. There's a a huge, crazy pointed version, and then there's a more normal version (laughs) for more normal people. (laughs) Yeah, it's constructed sideways with short rows with increases and decreases, um, creating the the diagonal swirl of it. But the brim kind of waves up and down, and then the brim stripes go diagonally the opposite way of the body stripes. So it has
0: this whole twisty tornado-y vortex thing. (laughs) And you've also designed some knitted footwear in the form of Mary Janes. Yeah, that was
1: actually something I designed before I even knew I was designing, like back when I, my first year or two of knitting. And it was just like notes in a sketchbook. And years later, when I learned how to write patterns, I kind of converted my notes into an actual pattern. (laughs) And I released it for free because... I don't know, it's it's fine, people make them and love them, but I don't feel like it's quite the quality of a lot of my other patterns because <laughs> I designed it so long ago. But they're fun, they're they're super quick knit because they use either super bulky yarn or like four strands of worsted held together. Yeah, that well that For like bulky. a really tight, yeah. dense gauge. Yeah, yeah. So um, you just, you knit them in a really tight gauge so they're kind of, they have the same kind of feel as felted slippers, but without having to felt them. And they end up in like an hour.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: I see. I've... If you're a fast knitter, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fast knitter. So for me, they knit up in like four yeah. hours. But a lot of people are like, I knit them in one episode of a show.
0: Like, wow, wow that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that is impressive. I was thinking the amount of commercials in American TV.
1: oh my gosh yeah
0: (laughs) also can't buy this just because I thought it was just really funny and uh, the old timey (laughs) moustache yeah that was really fun
1: yeah last October my knits club um, theme was costumes for Halloween so I designed the old timey moustache and the superhero mask it was a really fun club (laughs) I enjoyed that one (laughs)
0: Yeah, we we talked about Ravelry, and obviously which is a social network for knitters as well, one of its aspects. But a lot of knitters, including myself and, and you, are using Twitter. How are you finding mm-hmm. it? Um, I really like Twitter.
1: I like Twitter a lot better than like Facebook, mm-hmm. which I kind of hate. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you on that. I waste... <laughs> Yeah, I waste a lot of time on Twitter that I feel like is a waste of time, but I I don't think it actually is because I'm always learning about what's going on in the design world. I I follow a lot of other designers and we're always a lot of people are always linking to new designs that they like and kind of things that are going on in the world of design. And so that's kind of a useful uh tool for me. Yeah. And then I the way I tweet is mostly just kind of personal. I don't really think of it as a business tool, Mm -hmm. even though it definitely is. But then I'll tweet like whenever I have a new blog post or release a new pattern or something, I'll tweet about it. If I have like a sale or a knit along or something going on, I'll always tweet about it. But I try to keep it as not seeming businessy, you know, I don't want to turn people off and I, I use it mostly as kind of a personal like what's going on in my life and things that I think are cool and retweeting yeah. links and stuff like that.
0: Oh no! one of the things that I saw you tweet about recently you were doing some wedding related sewing because you're of course getting mm-hmm. married
1: uh, in, in yeah. a, well a
0: couple of weeks time now really isn't it. And uh, yeah. I misread it at first because I thought you were trying to make a wedding dress in 24 hours.
1: Well I sort of was. I had I I had a second make-along which I had the first one back in April through my blog because I do a lot of other stuff besides knit design I do just kind of crafty general craft stuff and I had this idea back in spring of having a 24-hour make-along where whoever wants to participate and just kind of that just makes whatever they want with whatever craft projects they have lying around that they never have time to get to or just things they've wanted to try but haven't had time to try. And then through Twitter, Facebook, Ravelry, whatever they happen to be on, they can talk about what they're making and then we can feel kind of a sense of community that all of us are making stuff at the same time. So I had the second of, this, of my make-alongs last Saturday, because I have this wedding coming up and I have all these crazy plans for handmade stuff and no time to do it. So I thought, okay, if I give myself 24 hours and that's like the only thing I'm going to do for this entire you know, 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. period of time, I can probably get a really good chunk of my wedding stuff done. So my goal wasn't to finish everything, but my goal was just to get as far as I could so that it could actually be doable to get it done by October 10th. Like October 6th is when we're leaving. That's coming up really fast. So I got a really good chunk of my dress done. So I, th- I think I it will be doable. I'll be able to finish it in time, which I never would have been able to do if I hadn't taken that 24 hours to work on it.
0: Yeah, and I know you spent a lot of that 24 hours making it. Cause, uh, so mm-hmm. you'd, you'd even tweeted at 3 a.m. your time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I, I woke up at 7 a.m. and I started working on stuff at at 7.30, which is really early for me. I'm a night person, so I'm very rarely awake before 9, but I usually go to bed at, like, 1 or 2 or 3 or something because I work better at night. Um, Anyway, so I was up at 7 and started working on some low-key, like, wedding-related knitting to just kind of wake up and drink my coffee. And then I think around, like, 11 or 12, I started on the dress, and then I worked on the dress all the way until, like, 6 a.m., and I made it the whole 24 hours and then I did some little bit more knitting for that last couple hours before I went to sleep at
0: 7.30. <laughs> so what kind of things are you making for your wedding all in all?
1: Well, the dress is kind of yeah. the major thing. And then I'm, I have a plan to make shoes also, which yeah. is still in my head. So um, that's actually today and tomorrow. I'm going to work on that to see if it, I can actually do it. And if if my idea doesn't work, I'll just go out and buy <laughs> some shoes <laughs> So that's one thing I'm going to try. And then our our wedding is pretty small, low-key, family-only, so we don't have a lot of decorations or things. But my one decoration I'm working on is um, fabric, like recycled fabric flowers that are just really basic, um, just wire wrapped around fabric just to make little bundles and no sewing involved or anything and uh, my mom and I have been thrifting for used you know secondhand vintage vases and we've collected like 25 vases so I need to make enough flowers to fill 25 vases that's kind of the main other thing Um, there's some minor details but those are
0: the big time consuming projects and what other crafting are you involved with because you you were saying that obviously knitting isn't you know all that you do knitting is is my main focus
1: for sure now but over the years i've done a lot of like sewing with recycled materials and i used to sew a lot of um hats and other accessories out of like recycled sweat uh felted sweaters and that was a big part of my business and that's kind of fell behind but i still have embroidery kits and stitch sets i call them that i make that are yeah. um connect the dots designs printed on fabric and then you you connect the dots with with your embroidery yeah so you know in theory you don't know what the picture is going to be until after you connect the dots and you're like oh wow I just embroidered a unicorn awesome so so that's something fun that I haven't worked on in a while but I still I was kind of obsessed with that for a while and I, I think I have like eight different sets that are all in my shop and then What I do mostly now is is I try to do blog tutorials for projects. And it just kind of depends what I'm doing in my life. So we bought a house and moved like four or five months ago. So right around that time, I did a bunch of home decor tutorials all right in a row. Just like random house projects. Like, oh, I I made this decoration and let me show you how I made it. And then just kind of fill my blog with
0: useful things. I was just looking at one. Yeah, your fabric-covered box drawers. Yeah, that was really fun.
1: Those IKEA boxy shelves that everybody has. Yeah. And, and I love them, but they're so IKEA. And I don't want our house to look like the inside <laughs> of an IKEA <laughs> store <laughs> catalog. So I try to do some crafty yeah, personal that's touches. That's a bit too from... Fight
0: Club, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So I I did some I just took some cardboard boxes and just covered the fronts with fabric and then I found these vintage drawer handles that I screwed on the fronts to make them look like uh, fabric drawers yeah. in the boxes. Yeah. So I don't I don't have like specific things that I focus on besides knitting. Like is my main thing and then just kind of everything else crafty. Like I I do some bead work like basic earrings. I like making just for fun for myself. But I'm not definitely not experienced or you know especially talented or anything with the bead
0: working it's just a fun thing yeah, and
1: sewing a little bit here and there
0: one thing so I do like on your blog is your your yarn holding coffee can cubbies yeah those they are really
1: cool yeah, that, that project worked out really well. I had this idea in my head, and, and it's one of those things where you're like, oh, it could totally fail and just fall apart, and not work at all, <laughs> and, and end up looking awesome. I just um, covered a tin coffee can, yeah, Trader Joe's coffee cans that are a perfect size for like a skein of yarn to fit in. And I covered them with like faux wood, faux bot. Ba- I don't know how to say that (laughs) contact paper (laughs) so you could use any kind of contact paper obviously or or like paint them or whatever and then I used rubber cement I think or some kind of strong glue to attach them all together in like two rows and screwed them into the wall and they're sturdy enough to stack more yarn on top so I think I can hold like 10 skeins inside the cubbies and then I can stack more balls on top of the cubby. so it's a really good amount of storage
0: yeah because they're just it's one of those things the yarn just looks really good in them I think it's because they're cylindrical yeah really yeah and, and they of yeah. kind of frame around the yeah the, the lid I mean
1: yeah. yeah yeah so my my best hand spun and hand dyed or or just like the the colors that pop the most are the mm-hmm. ones that I put in there because they look so good
0: yeah, I was going to say, that's a really nice yarn you've got there. Mm-hmm. And it does, yeah, it does look really good in those cans. you were also saying that um, one of your other loves is photography. hmm How long yeah. have you been doing that? Uh, pretty much forever. In high school, I
1: started taking photography classes and kind of learning about it. And then in college, I went to a college that um, was pretty science so the arts program There wasn't a lot of specific arts uh, majors. So my major was media and my emphasis was photography. But then I also did a lot of computing arts, which is how I learned how to build websites, which came in really handy because now I know how to build a website. And then I did a lot of like film video stuff and a lot of theory. And then I minored in media. So I did a lot of drawing and painting. So I had a little bit of photography and that was kind of what I wanted to do with my life. And when I graduated, I, um, I ended up getting jobs in just camera stores and photo labs and playing around with film a lot. And I got just like random jobs here and there f- shooting like bands or shooting for weeklies or things. Um, but then the more I did that and the more I worked in that world of just like dealing with photographers at the labs, I, I didn't really see myself doing that, doing that only for a living. I just kind of that started becoming a side thing as I did more and more crafty stuff and knit stuff. So now I do, um, I still do random photography jobs here and there for fun, but I don't really want to be a photographer in that world. And it's like really competitive and Mm -hmm. not, not really what I enjoy full time. Yeah. I still
0: have fun with it for my blog and my designs and everything yeah because I was going yeah. to say it's photography is clearly a very useful skill for uh, making ebooks mm-hmm. and so sort of yeah showing, definitely uh, and showing your patterns to uh, their best advantage when you first sort of i suppose thought about how you were going to market your patterns i mean did you find it easy to create them?
1: No, not easy it's a lot of teaching myself what works best, mm-hmm. and when I first started making pdfs I made the whole pdf in photoshop just as big pictures and converted that new pdf and a lot of my old patterns are still that way and they it's on my long-term to-do list to switch all my patterns to my new format but then when I wanted to make game knitting and I knew I wanted it to be long and at first I thought it'd be like 20 pages and then it evolved into 65 pages slowly over time
0: yeah Big. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I couldn't
1: do the same Photoshop method because that just wasn't going to work. So I started asking around, and I have a friend, Diane Gilliland, who does Crafty Pod uh, podcasts. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she also does a lot of ebooks. So she um, highly recommended iWork Pages to me because I'm a Mac user. And so I, I got Pages and started playing around with that. And it is awesome and definitely. Um, I recommend it for PDFs and ebooks. It's it's really, you know, Apple intuitive how how Apple things tend to be. Um there it can do a lot, so it it takes a while to kind of learn um how to do what you want to do with it because it's capable of so much, but it's still I know a lot of designers use like Adobe InDesign and I don't know, I like Pages because it's it's simple enough but I can still do what I want to do and and I want to have I want my PDFs and ebooks to be really easy to read on the computer screen so nobody feels like they have to print it out because I, I don't want to waste people's paper and ink. So all not just my ebooks, but my regular individual patterns too are are really computer screen friendly. I always use a big font and big spacing and but I always have the actual pattern pages pretty black and white. Um so hopefully you can just print out one or two pages, you don't have to print out the whole thing. So I use pages for that. I use Photoshop for my photos and then I just kind of teach myself what I need as I need it. That's what works for me.
0: (laughs) So after your wedding, (laughs) what (laughs) else have you got coming up sort of craft wise? Oh, so
1: I have a project I'm working on right now that I can't talk about in detail because I'm going to do my Ooh. first ever mystery knit along, which I'm really Ooh. excited about. Yeah, and it, it's just still in the beginning planning stages right now, but I'm going to kind of work on that as road trip knitting. So we're, we're going to drive all over the country. For our honeymoon and be on the road a lot, so I have lots of road knitting planned. But then when yeah. I get back, I'm hoping to do the mystery knit along like pretty soon, like end of and, October, beginning November. Yeah.
0: yeah. And is is that by mystery knit along? Do you mean that you will? is that you post bits of the pattern and people won't know what they're making.
1: Right. Yeah. I have it planned out to be like five parts, probably. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, it's still in the planning <laughs> stages. So I don't know for yeah. sure, but. But hopefully um it'll be a mystery for the first several parts, and then, towards the last couple of parts, you'll start to be able to see what it is yeah it's it's also in an any gauge pattern and custom sizable um but for the mystery needle, along, I'll probably be a little more specific, so I can tell you a yardage estimate and stuff like that but then once once the mystery part is over, then I'm going to release that pattern just has a regular pattern for everybody and then i have an an ebook that i've been sort of in the planning stages for like 6 months or 9 months or something. It's my super long-term project that's going to be um a yarn making ebook with patterns to go with the yarn. So it's going to be like recycling yarn from sweaters and dyeing it and making different kinds of recycled yarn. Like i make spun recycled yarn which is like a, several strands of of recycled yarn spun together. Um, oh, okay. Oh. So it's going to be like all different kinds of yarn that are all made from recycled materials. So I'm I'm planning on talking about like t-shirt yarn and plastic bag yarn and and then have patterns to go with every different type of yarn. Plastic bag yarn. Wow. Yeah, or plarn, as people call it. It's
0: what good do for they call
1: it? Plarn.
0: Plarn. P
1: L A R N.
0: It's, I don't get that at all. I wonder if is it an American thing? Oh, maybe. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Um, yeah, if, it, I think if you Google or Ravelry search plarn, you'll find it. It's it's like you cut uh, recycled plastic grocery bags into yeah. strips, and you can make new reusable grocery bags, you know, shopping bags out of it. That's oh, god. kind of a good now use. I
0: get it. Sorry,
1: just
0: your <laughs> oh, god, so sad. <laughs> <laughs> it is late for me that's my yeah, excuse sorry about that the lovely lee meredith now remember that you can see the show notes over at www.knitcast.com and you can email me feedback at knitcast.com well i'm Marie Urshard, and that was knitcast thanks for listening